This time last year, uh, we did a sermon series that we called, Oh, the Places We'll Go. At the time, we were deep in the midst of the COVID lockdown, which meant that most of our summer plans had had to be drastically changed. And so, inspired by the classic book by that noted theologian, Dr. Seuss, we decided to take a virtual tour of the world, traveling in spirit to places that we could not go in person, because we knew the pandemic would not last forever. And so we looked ahead to the time when we could travel again, exploring the theology to be found in the various places we like to go. And along the way, uh, we had some fun with recording parts of our worship services on location throughout the series. First, we went to the beach uh, at Prothro Camp and Conference Center on Lake Texoma. It wasn't exactly the Caribbean, but our own Jim Wilson broke out the steel drums to give us a truly beachy vibe. And we talked about the theological concept of Sabbath, why it's important, and why God commanded us to take it seriously. The next week, we went to Disney World, in spirit anyway, bringing a little bit of Disney here to the sanctuary. That week, we talked about the idea of discovering God through a sense of childlike wonder. The following week, we traveled all the way to Paris, Texas, and its mini Eiffel Tower with the cowboy hat on top. That week, we talked about how we discover God in other cultures. And then we wrapped up the series on July 4th weekend in my backyard. That week, we talked about America's national parks as incredible examples of the beauty of God's creation, whether your passion is the beach or the mountains or the canyons or glaciers or lakes or geysers or volcanoes or caves or deserts, or really just about any other kind of natural setting you can imagine, America's national parks offer something for you to explore. All of which is to say, this time last year, we spent a month talking about the theology of travel as we looked ahead to the places we would go again someday. Now, uh, the world is not past the pandemic yet. The number of people who have died globally from the COVID-19 pandemic in 2021 thus far has already exceeded the total number of COVID deaths for all of 2020. Many countries are still struggling with the pandemic and they remain in our prayers each week. But here at home, there are signs of a return to normal, thanks be to God, which means that many of us are revisiting the vacation plans that we had to put on hold last summer. Not everyone is quite there yet, which of course is okay. All of our circumstances are different and people continue to make the best decisions they can for their families. But I'm excited that my own family's summer schedule is packed with travel. We're kind of making up for lost time. Our two boys have scout trips to Lake Texoma and Arkansas and Georgia. They have church camps at Lake Bridgeport, and our oldest is going with the youth choir to Arkansas and Tennessee. Our family last month, as soon as the kids got out of school, went to visit the five national parks in southern Utah, and we've got a big trip with my wife's family scheduled for next month, all of which is very exciting. And, which brings me to our subject for today. This is week three of our Summer Vibes sermon series, uh, which we had actually planned for last summer (laughs) until we replaced it with the Oh, the Places Will Go series. 
Throughout June, we're exploring the theology to be found in some of our favorite summer pastimes. And so in week one, we talked about summer reading through the lens of the classic children's book, Charlotte's Web. Then last week, we talked about summer movies through the lens of the pop culture phenomenon, The Lion King. Next week, we're gonna be talking about summer musicals. Today, we are talking about my favorite pastime of the season, summer travel. The great Irish poet William Butler Yeats once said, the world is full of magic things, patiently waiting for our senses to grow sharper. What magic things are you going to find this summer? All right, let's uh, go ahead and turn to our reading for today. This is the 40th chapter of Isaiah. I'm gonna read right now verses three through 26. And we'll come back and read the rest later. Listen, friends, for the word of God as it is proclaimed by God's servant, the prophet Isaiah. A voice cries out, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass, their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers. The flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span and closed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountain in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has directed the spirit of the Lord, or as his counselor has instructed him? Whom did he consult for his enlightenment, and who taught him the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Even the nations are like a drop from the bucket, and are accounted as dust on the scales. See, he takes up the aisles like fine dust. Lebanon would not provide fuel enough, nor are its animals enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A workman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts it, and casts it its silver chains." As a gift, one chooses mulberry wood, wood that will not rot, then seeks out a skilled artisan to set up an image that will not topple. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught 
and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows upon them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them all by name, because he is great in strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So scholars believe that the book of Isaiah was written during three distinct eras. The first 39 chapters, often referred to as 1st Isaiah, were the work of the original prophet by that name, whose ministry was in the royal court in Jerusalem in the late 8th century BC. The last 11 chapters, often referred to as 3rd Isaiah, were written roughly two centuries after the original prophet, after the return from the Babylonian exile, to a community that was rebuilding its life together. Our reading today comes from what is often referred to as 2nd Isaiah, chapters 40 through 55, which was written sometime during the exile, perhaps near the end of the exile, to give God's people a word of comfort and hope during an unimaginably difficult period. Judah had been conquered by the Babylonians, Jerusalem had been destroyed, the temple had been demolished, and significant numbers of people and almost all of their leadership had been taken to Babylon where they would languish in exile for half a century. Life for God's people uh, had been entirely disrupted, completely turned upside down, at least life as they had known it. And it is to this audience that Second Isaiah is writing. In the verses we just read, the prophet begins with good news. The people will be going home soon. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. That's a a poetic promise of a straight path through the desert from Babylon to Jerusalem and a passage made famous by Handel's Messiah. The prophet then asks a series of rhetorical questions in what scholars call a disputation oracle. That was kind of a longer reading, and that's the style of the prophets in these disputation oracles. They're a a literary device used by the prophets, written in the style of a courtroom scene. The prophet is making the case for a fundamental theological truth. Yes, things are bad now, the prophet says, to those who are in exile, as well as to those who have been left behind in the ruins. But who created the heavens? Who created the the waters of the oceans? Who created the land and everything on it? Who is greater than any nation that ever has been or ever will be? In a refrain that he'll repeat later in the chapter, the prophet asks, have you not known, have you not heard Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? Yes, 2nd Isaiah is saying things have been tough, but remember who God is, the God we love and serve, the God who loves us and calls us into relationship. He is great in strength, mighty in power, and because that is true, everything will be okay somehow. 
writing to a people whose lives have been entirely disrupted by the tragedy of the exile, Isaiah's words carry a powerful message of hope and promise, a message that rings true down through the centuries to us today. Now look, I don't want to overplay this comparison. We have not been in exile during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm not saying that. But we have had a fair number of challenges over the past 15 months. Many of us have lost friends and loved ones to COVID. It's estimated that that almost 4 million people worldwide, 600,000 here in the United States, have died because of the pandemic, and the overall physical and mental health impact of the pandemic goes far beyond those statistics. All of our lives have been disrupted in ways that we never could have imagined. So many plans were canceled or at least put on hold. And then there was the social and political disruption of the past year. There's been so much about the past 15 months that was unlike anything that any of us had ever experienced before. So no, we have not been in exile, but we've certainly been through a rough patch. And part of the power of scripture is that it it has the ability through the work of the Holy Spirit to speak to every generation in light of that that generation's own set of experiences. And so to us, Second Isaiah is offering a reminder that whatever challenges we face, our God is with us, walking beside us until we get to the other side. All right, let's finish the text. This is the rest of that 40th chapter. Listen again, friends, for God's word. Why do you say, O Jacob, And speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen. So what's Second Isaiah got to do with summer vacation? <laughs> you might be wondering. That was a lot of verses we just read. What's that got to do with the subject for today? That's a, that's a logical question. I chose this particular passage for today for a couple of reasons. First, the return of summer travel is a wonderful sign to me that we're, uh, hopefully at least, just about to make it to the other side of a difficult season in our lives. And I give thanks to God for that. The 40th chapter of Isaiah offers us a promise, even in the toughest of times, which is uh, that God gives God's people strength and endurance and hope no matter what. And that last verse is a poetic summary of God's promise. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I don't know about you, (laughs) But that's how I'm feeling about a packed summer of 
scout trips and church trips and family vacations, having waited for this day to arrive, I will run and not be weary. I will walk and not faint. It's going to be a packed summer, and I'm here for it, as the kids are saying these days. The other reason I chose our reading for today is that it reminds us that wherever our summer travels take us this year, God is there because the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Just as God has been with us at home during these long months of the pandemic, so God will be with us as we unfurl our wings and venture out to those places we could not go last summer as we canceled or postponed the plans we had for this time last year. So, what will it be for you this summer? Will you make time for Sabbath by getting away somewhere from home? And if so, where? Steel drums on a beach somewhere? Sounds pretty great. Maybe Disney World is your jam? Uh, If so, I'm totally with you on that. Or if not Disney, then maybe some other place where you can discover God through a sense of childlike wonder. Or maybe you're ambitious and ready to go to some international destination. If so, you'll have the chance to discover God in those other cultures. Or maybe you're still wanting some social distance just to be on the safe side. If so, you might consider heading to one of our national parks to experience the beauty of God's creation. Southern Utah is pretty awesome if you're looking for ideas. Now that we're able once again to go to those places we've been missing, the prophet Isaiah assures us that God will be there to meet us wherever we go. The world is full of magic things, Yates said, patiently waiting for our senses to grow sharper. (laughs) Those magic things have had to be even more patient than usual these past 15 months. Thank God that wait is over. As we embrace a return to normal, may may we find some of the magic that the world has to offer. Amen.